0: Hello, welcome to Performance Anxiety. We analyze the film, television, theater and comedy performances that everybody is talking about. I'm Alex Dale and with me is my resident film expert,
1: Maren Tom.
0: We are here because we think the art of performance needs some love and understanding. This is our first episode, so we want to introduce ourselves, who we are, why we want to do this, what we think the difference is between performance and acting, or how they relate to one another, I think is the important thing. And we're going to analyse a performance this week that everyone's talking about, which is this week's big release, that's Black Adam.
1: Yes, Black Adam is the big movie that's out.
0: Because we want to make this relevant.
1: Yes, and if we want to talk about performance... It is very important that we talk about what is happening right now.
0: Absolutely. So the question, I think, is, first of all, who are we? So you are Dr. Marantone, which means you have a doctorate in film theory, right? I do, yes. But you're also more than that. <laughs> Tell us more about yourself. I, yes.
1: I don't just do academic stuff. My background is in theatre. I have been an actor. I have worked in the theatre. I've worked as a director, casting director producer in germany
0: so you have practical understanding as well as theoretical understanding
1: my love for performance is out of a professional appreciation for it it. i love performance. (laughs) (laughs) It's my
0: as do i so the way i see our relationship is that you're bringing a lot of expertise here and my job basically is the everyman in our in this in this (laughs) this relationship
1: no 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 pressure yeah (laughs) it's very domestic
0: well if there's one thing i know about you is that you can talk very passionately, but in a very specialist way. And I want to make sure that I'm pulling out from you what you mean.
1: That's very kind. Um, <laughs> and I'm very happy to talk to somebody who is admittingly, a non-specialist. I'm an idiot. You're a fan. You're a I, fan, Bob.
0: I'm a fan. I'm the, what do they call it? The audience um, substitute?
1: Yes, you're the bouncing board.
0: Yeah, the protag- I'm the protagonist. <laughs> you're the big other. <laughs> okay, our first question is... What is the difference between performance and acting? What is performance particularly? Why do you want to pose these questions in this way?
1: To cut a long story short, I'm interested in performance. Oh, I love performance because I think it is performance where meaning is made. So let me explain a bit more clearly. Martin Scorsese famously said the difference between an actor and a performer is that an actor doesn't care if the audience likes him whereas the performer performs for the audience which is a very interesting distinction between the, the two but i don't think it's that easy it's I, not always clear that it is not always clear
0: because actors can perform
1: yes so i think for us it's useful to understand acting as when an actor assumes a role as a craft
0: so these are skills techniques that you can learn to a degree
1: whereas a performance is done something done for an audience Okay. So an actor often becomes a performer when he does something for an audience, then the acting becomes the performance.
0: Is it fair to say, something that I've heard said before, performances are made in the editing room, so performance is not purely acting, but it's also stuff that's happening around an actor. So it could be music, it could be costume, it could be the writing, all those kind of contributing factors that come together to make a piece of meaning.
1: Yes, Uh, most of all it's probably casting. Okay.
0: So this is one of the things we're going to keep coming yes, back to. Yes, the
1: idea of, of how much casting embodies Mm -hmm. meaning-making.
0: Casting is storytelling. Casting is storytelling. Who said that? Joss Whedon. Oh, there you go. (laughs) The
1: the famously disgraced, now disgraced (laughs) Joss Whedon. (laughs) But, you know... We're going to be
0: quoting a lot from disgraced people.
1: Yeah, the more disgraced, the better the quote. Yeah. Um, But, you know, he's a fabulous storyteller, so there's... So he knows what he's talking about. Yes, and not just that, I think it's worthwhile to delve into his takes on performance and storytelling. And you
0: can see, I think... Judging from his body of work, that he knows how to cast, or at least he knows how to get people in the art to cast.
1: Well, he knows that performance is where meaning happens, and if you cast the right person for something, that's already half the work done for you.
0: I think really getting to the heart of what we want to talk about on this kind of podcast. So,
1: so myths like "oh, yeah, any actor can play any role." Yeah,
0: yeah, that's a big one. I think you hear that a lot.
1: Yes, you do, but of course that is not true because casting the right person for your project will entail the meaning that you want to convey.
0: Mm-hmm. Did you see recently, I think it was on Facebook, there was a very good casting call sheet, I think, for Pulp Fiction, and they went through all of the people. If you can't get this person, oh, yeah. get this person. You can't get this person, get this person. So. So,
1: can Tarantino's wish list for exactly. who to Exactly, Tarantino's wish list. <laughs>
0: so John Travolta was very low down on that list, but now we can't imagine anybody else doing that role. It's a thought experiment, you know, you switch out an actor and you can see how the meaning of the whole thing changes. And this is why we're interested in performance and not just acting.
1: Yes, and I think this is also very interesting. We want to talk about this because I don't think, you know, people talk about performance in this way at the moment.
0: My impression of kind of discussions around performance, acting, casting, all of these things, they get very mired in identity politics. They get very instrumentalized. People want to achieve social goals through artistic projects and it's not really fair it's not very good politics and it's not very good art
1: what we've already seen is that casting is meaning making so if you have debates about who should play what kind of character or this person cannot play this kind of character you already can see that people know that this is important that meaning is conveyed through casting not any actor can play any role meaning is conveyed through casting but What the problem here is, is that both sides seem to be talking about the correct kind of performance. Now, you
0: say both sides here, like there's an opposition going on. Do you feel that's really the case?
1: Well, you will always have two sides debating what is the correct way of Mm -hmm. casting representing, of meaning making, so to speak. So one side will say, oh, this is not a historically correct casting. Or this character could never be played by a black person.
0: These tend to be in the minority, though. These kind of It's a quite a conservative way of approaching art. Yes.
1: On the other hand, there's people who want to correctly cast in another way. So they would say, oh, this is not politically correct cast. It conveys so much meaning. We need to use performance as a means to bring about social change, which I think is a burden that no artistic project can actually take on without being... Yeah philistine i mean the the
0: tired examples that always roll around if fucking james bond and doctor who sorry let me try that again while i swearing <laughs> the tired examples that roll around that everyone might pick up on is uh james bond and doctor Who. It's like who's going to play these people and are they do they meet the satisfactory criteria of the you know bbc um diversity board I, i'm not sure you know
1: On the other hand, oh, no, he could never be played by a black person. Yeah,
0: time Uh, lords are white and are staying white, right?
1: So both sides of these arguments fail to understand or even appreciate the power of performance and how artistic an engagement we can have with performance and how open this is and how meaningful it is.
0: So this is one of the other things that I think you are particularly interested in is meaning creation happens with an audience.
1: Yes, this is the, the difference between looking at acting and looking at performance. When actors perform, they perform something for an audience and meaning is created in this kind of symbiosis of watching or reading, if you want to be intellectual about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, and I, d- I don't. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to be. What we often get is the Philistine way of understanding this engagement with film. It's the mirror theory where people think they want to have themselves reflected on screen. You know, they want to have somebody to identify with.
0: You hear this, oh, I feel so seen. Yes. If you can see it, you can be it. All of this kind of stuff. Yeah, this kind
1: of bullshit. And this is a philistine way to engage with any kind of art, even commercial art like movies.
0: Philistinism indeed. So (laughs) this is why we think the art of performance needs love, first of all, right? It needs to be recognized for what it is. And then understanding it needs to be untangled properly, because it is complicated, right? It
1: is complicated, and it is rich. And I think this is why we chose Black Adam, the DC comic movie starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So
0: in some ways, the biggest, dumbest blockbuster we could find.
1: Yes. so you know, And this is
0: a deliberate choice from us.
1: Absolutely. Because people would say, you know, this is just a money-making machine for Hollywood, which it is. But... If we want to get something out of this or understand its appeal, then we will have to look at the performance and its meaning.
0: So the performance here, of course, is Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Absolutely. So he brings a lot of, I want to say baggage, it's not the right word, but he has symbolic value. He means a lot.
1: right? Yes. So Let's unpick this. But let's look at the film itself, first of all. I think... What this film is, it's one of those films that divides the critics and its audience big time. You can see the paper reviews, one star, two stars, because it is a ropey kind of film, you know, in terms of storytelling. On the other hand, absolute breakthrough audience reviews. Look at Rotten Tomatoes, 90%. audience. It's the highest grossing DC movie since really? Yeah, since... No, no. <laughs> it's the highest-grossing DC movie since Nolan's films. As a Batman. Batman yeah.
0: So it's a big deal.
1: The, the audience are really big fans. And if you remember, we were at the cinema, yeah. and it was packed. People were cheering, and they were really going for it. Constant whooping.
0: It was a surprising atmosphere. So what you have to ask, I think, or, or what we're skirting around here is this is a a Dwayne Johnson vehicle so he is the drawer he's the box officer yes. you can't deny it so what is it about him as a performer what's he bringing to this it, it's not just his acting there's a ton of other stuff going on there let's oh, talk yeah. about it
1: So let's go by direct example Please. so Dwayne Johnson plays a comic book hero called Black Adam who is awakened after a thousand year slumber in comic hell He used to be the liberator of his people a thousand years ago, and now he's been reawakened in a new era where the people are oppressed by anonymous kind of government slash business forces. In in
0: this kind of very indeterminate country that could be somewhere in the Middle East or Africa or... South America. Yeah, somewhere at the border. It's just kind of third (laughs) world-y.
1: Yeah. So people need a liberator. Mm -hmm. And he comes as this liberator, but he doesn't see himself as one. So the whole tension of the whole film, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? You know, is he, will he save his people from oppression? So he he is awakened from his slumber and he gets this massive action sequence.
0: This is within the first five, ten minutes of the film.
1: Let's say first quarter of an hour of the film, yeah. Very early, basically. Yeah. And so he gets his first action sequence that tell the world he is back. And the amount of cheering in the audience was immense.
0: So what was it about this? It was an extraordinary set piece, action sequence. There's yeah. lots of slow motion. It feels very luxurious, very yeah. legato. Yeah.
1: So your fantasies of liberation are being played out. That's my short take on this. And how this happens, we have to look a bit more at The Rock himself. Let's do it. Obviously the biggest movie star in the world yes. right now. Yes. And he brings with it his Rock persona, a kind of weird persona that has been in development for many, many years.
0: It can only get more and more kind of perfected, I
1: guess. So he is a real star who brings his personal life, brings his persona ...into the roles that he plays.
0: Yeah, so this is one of the things that makes a star a star. You know what they stand for. You might not always be able to articulate it, but you know what social or symbolic function, to use a very pretentious phrase, they're fulfilling.
1: Yeah, his symbolic function has been years in the making. And he is so good at this as well. We all know he stands for family man, doing the right thing, taking no shit, being invincible...
0: Looking after yourself.
1: Looking after your family. Putting
0: in the work.
1: Putting in the work, being a good guy. And you can literally see this kind of persona from the world he comes from, which is wrestling. Mm -hmm. So, you know, everybody knows that he used to be a professional wrestler. And in the world of wrestling, you have this term called keifee.
0: I'm not familiar with this term.
1: It is the concept that... You keep the persona that you have. You know, wrestling is, is all about these kind of good guys versus bad guys and they have these feuds against one another.
0: Each wrestler has a character. Each wrestler has a character. And has to be an immediately identifiable cartoon
1: <laughs> you know, yeah. caricature. Exactly. Yeah. They've got weird names like Fartman. The, yeah. The destroyer. Yeah. Um, and Mr. so Mr. Briefcase. I mean he was called the Rock. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Sorry. Mr. Briefcase would be my wrestling yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but you, you know that they are they've got names you know their yes. faces and their heels Faces are the good guys they stand for american wholesomeness patriotism family and then you've got the bad guys the heels you right heel. yeah they're, they're nefarious they're underhand they, sly. They, they're sly they they get booed, right and kayfabe is the concept that you keep your persona even outside the ring to not break the illusion for the audience. The Rock famously grew up in a wrestling family. So the the concept of kayfabe keeping up your persona constantly.
0: His dad was a wrestler, right? His
1: dad was a wrestler. Yes. Growing up in a world where you're where you have an on-stage persona, but that becomes a constant in your life. They've made a TV series about Young Rock. It's
0: all part and parcel of the myth-making.
1: It is. So this kind of established persona is manifested in all the films that he's done so far, but especially in this TV sitcom he made about himself. It's a comedic look at his youth, but it is, on the other hand, it really establishes his persona-making.
0: But that comedic take is part of his persona. He's self-deprecating.
1: Absolutely, because you have to be. If you're such a big guy and you're literally invincible, you have to be approachable at the same time.
0: You know, he loves... Every chat show he's on, they show this picture of him dressed in a very 90s-looking outfit with terrible stonewashed denim and a bomb bag. And he (laughs) he bloody loves it because it's all part and parcel of his charm.
1: Yes, and you know he keeps caving up now in this kind of faux feud with Kevin Hart.
0: Is it Kevin Hart? Yeah, it's Kevin Hart. You know, they have
1: this faux feud <laughs> okay. going on. This is the whole persona he took over into his movie career. The Rock famously started out as a good guy. And then he did a turn. He turned heel. Really? Yes, he I turned didn't, heel. I, didn't know. I know very little about wrestling. But okay. I know that he did this famous turn and joined the League of Notorious Restless or something, whatever they were called. But so he turned here, he turned bad guy. But he was still really popular. And this kind of turn of The Rock that established his popularity, even as a bad guy, really comes into its own in Black Adam. Because this is a film where you have The Rock and you don't know if he's a good guy or if he's a bad guy. It's absolutely the conclusion of his persona it is his persona manifest that has been building up over these years. And he brings with it twenty years of this persona.
0: So it's we think he's a good guy, ninety-nine percent of the time, but there's still an element of doubt there. Like he still has something dark potentially. Yes.
1: So his darkness is still something that we can join in. And here we come back to the idea of how performance creates meaning in Black Adam through the rock. Usually people don't want to see themselves on screen. This is not how it works. The way we enjoy something on screen, or we create meaning out of it, is by not identifying with it in a kind of passive way, but we use the persona as where we can bring ourselves into the narrative. The rock is the liberator, but he's also not... 100% Hundred percent creepily good. He's he's endowed, but he doesn't take no shit either.
0: Can we just? Can you just say that again? He's endowed because it sounded like he's endowed. Oh, like he's got a huge penis.
1: Leave that in. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> he's both. You know, he wears a very tight suit. Please. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Um, so the way we identify with a character is not through. You know, I want to be him. This is my role model.
0: So there's a very facile understanding at the moment. Like you need to see yourself in a very identitarian way. Yes, it has. To, I have to be the same gender, color, sex, age.
1: Yes. So you don't identify with somebody on screen through through your own identity. What you do is enjoy the stuff that they stand for in what philosophers call interpassivity. That means you outsource your enjoyments as well as inadequacies onto what you see on screen. Right. And the rock gives you, with his persona that is so laden with meaning, a platform through which you can enjoy your own desire for liberation, being funny, loving a family.
0: Through omnipotence, I think.
1: Omnipotence, yeah. So Black Adam is a character who's literally omnipotent. He's like Superman.
0: Particularly in this first section of the film. Yes. Is a a hymn to omnipotence, basically. They throw so much firepower at him. Tanks, helicopters, grenades, missiles, soldiers. He's absolutely undefeatable by a whole army, essentially.
1: Yes. And so it is quite meaningful that in this day and age... Our fantasy of beating our own impotence to be active politically, socially, are played out by The Rock. He does this for us. So how we identify with things on screen is not through ourselves, through our identities. It's by outsourcing our needs and wishes onto the platform that is presented by the screen or the state.
0: In this case, it's the screen. Yeah,
1: and in this case, it's the rock. So we are all man, woman, child. We all can enjoy omnipotence, but also the the doubts. We can enjoy the contradictions that come with this.
0: What you're offering is a Marxist take (laughs) of, of the rock. With its manifest contradictions. Un- un-
1: unashamedly, yes.
0: I'm being flipp- I'm being a little flippant. I think what yeah. you're actually offering is trying to understand what is enjoyable about this in more than just a superficial way. There's something deeper and more satisfyingly psychological that we can explain through looking at the performance of this.
1: And so we can deduct from this that there's a gigantic need proven by people's love for the rock it fulfills a desire that there is in everybody, not just young men or people who are wanting to be the rock, but to me too. I, I found myself enjoying the freedom his omnipotence brings me.
0: Is it worth thinking about that for a minute? So I can imagine that the criticism would be that it is quite, it could be read as a very teenage boy fantasy. I can defeat tanks, that kind of stuff.
1: But there is a need in everybody To want to defeat tanks, right? (laughs) Taken
0: to its logical extreme. (laughs) Taken
1: to its logical extreme, because the enjoyment of power is not something that is enjoyed by identity. It's enjoyed by human beings as such, especially human beings who are powerless. And so many people feel powerless at the moment. This is why this movie and The Rock as a star... Speaks to so many people right now.
0: He's rich in fantasy.
1: As he has got a literally a huge body that gives us a way where we can project our own desires and needs into him.
0: He's a vessel. He's an enormous vessel.
1: Yeah, but it's a vessel of me. It's a meaningful vessel. We want to invest ourselves in him.
0: Yes. In conclusion, what can we say about Black Adam? What can we say about The Rock? First of all, would you recommend Black Adam as a film to go and watch it in the cinema necessarily?
1: Yes, I would. You know, grab yourself some popcorn and enjoy. Enjoy your own enjoyment of omnipotence.
0: Fair enough. I think I would be more circumspect. I think it's it's an indulgence. It falls off very quickly because in spite of the appeal of The Rock, it's just too mired down in too many storylines.
1: Well, you have to give yourself the freedom to enjoy this kind of performance. I think loads of people don't give themselves this freedom. They think it's an indulgence.
0: I think this is the materialist take that we need to think about for a second is people have to stump up a lot of cash to go to the cinema. So if you're going to indulge yourself, you have to commit to indulging yourself, right? (laughs) Thanks for listening to Performance Anxiety. We hope you've enjoyed our introductory episode. Watch this space for more analysis, love, and understanding of the art of performance. Till next
1: time.